Welcome again to Door Creek Church, and on this Memorial Day weekend, we do remember with deep gratitude those who gave their lives that we might live and worship freely, and we think of the many others around this world who have benefited from that ultimate sacrifice. So good to be together. If you're a guest here this weekend, my name's Mark, one of the pastors, and we are bringing our Simplify series to its conclusion, and hopefully it spurs us on to a life that is growing in peace and joy and health and fullness and balance and it has everything to do with Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you about a time when we were first married. We lived in this little town called Highwood, Illinois. Uh, it was my second year seminary and uh, I started the semester late because our, our wedding was at the end of September, 35 years ago this September. Are you kidding me? And uh, anyways, I missed the first week of school. Lori got a great job at Baxter Travenal, a pharmaceutical. So she's putting me through school. I'm studying. We come home one night. Uh, we have dinner together, and I'm getting ready to hit the books. And Lori says, hey, let's go for a walk. So if you don't know this about me, you should know this about me, that my parents were cruel, and they forced me to walk on Sundays, and I hated it. And all of a sudden, when Lori said, let's go for a walk, it all came crashing back. And I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done here? I've married a walking woman. This is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. I said, hey, I'd love to go for a run. How about a bike ride? And she quickly said, no, it's, it's all right. I'll just go by myself. So the wheels started clicking really quick. You know, I may look slow, but it was coming really quick that night. And all of a sudden, I realized, hey, we're in Highwood, Illinois, Mark. This city is known for more bars per capita than any other city. I'm not talking about Illinois. I'm talking about the country. And I'm going, there is no way I'm going to let my beautiful bride hit the streets of Highwood at dusk on her own. I said, I'm coming. I'm coming. Wait up. And so we took a walk. And we haven't stopped walking. 35 years. This is what we say. Yeah, that's right. So this is what we say to anybody getting married. One of the best things we can say is, you know, you're going to have, it's like that sign on the way up to Alaska, choose your rut carefully because you're going to be in it for the next 50 miles. So, you know, choose, I, we say this to couples as they're getting married, choose your ruts carefully. And we say, here's a great rut to get into, walk. We recommend it all the time. We think, you know, outside of God's grace in our lives is kind of like part of the secret sauce of our marriage. Walking, why? Not because it's great exercise, which it is. Not because it's free, which it is. Not because it's really fun to be looking around, tool around the neighborhood and talking about this and that and what we like here, what we like there at night, seeing stuff in the house, and that's kind of cool. But, and going out in, the, in God's beautiful creation and seeing all the beauty, it, it's, it, that's true. The view's great on a walk, but that's not why. We keep recommending it. Here's why. Because when you walk, you can talk. And when you can talk on a walk, it's actually different than face-to-face, -face, right? It's different than that. It's just side-by-side. -side. And what we found out, we talk about anything and everything when we go for a walk. And it takes us deeper together in our lives and in our marriage. And so we're always recommending it. Now, here's the great thing to think about. That the, the God of the Bible 
He, he hits the scene in Genesis 1, his revelation to us about himself. And we find out he's a talking God who wants to walk with his people. Isn't that a wild thing? He speaks all of creation into existence. And he says to Adam and Eve, I want to have a relationship with you. I, I'm going to walk with you. In Leviticus 26, we read this. Beautiful, beautiful words. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. So walking with God and his desire to walk with us is all about a relationship. But man, it's easy to lose our way. Did you hear the sad story this week that broke out? AP covered it. This woman, Geraldine Largay, if that's how you pronounce it. Three years ago, she was on the trail, the Appalachian. It was one of her bucket list things. She'd been on it with a friend. Her friend had to leave and her friend tried to convince her to just, you know, just come back with me and then we'll go back later and we'll finish it up. They were just up north in this really difficult place. Very, they describe it kind of like the jungle of the trail. And she got lost. She survived at least 26 days, the authorities believe. The documents that they found as they found her remains just in the last couple of weeks here included some excerpts from some journals and text messages that she tried to send in vain, but she was out of cell tower reach. So they never got through to her husband who was just a few miles down the trail waiting to connect with her. Messages like, lost since yesterday, off trail three or four miles, call police for what to do, please. But he never got him. Douglas Dolan, a volunteer who spends a lot of time on the Appalachian Trail, said of this section of the trail, you can step off the trail 20 or 50 feet and turn around, and it's really hard to find the trail. If you didn't know which way the trail was, you could easily walk in circles for hours. In fact, she'd set up camp less than two miles off the trail. It's easy to get lost. Lori and I were walking around the cabin up in Door County. We're going to be heading up to Door County for our summer break, time of rest, time of study. I got a stack of books, got some sermon series, can't wait. We were up there. We were just like, quarter of a mile down the road from our place. We said, let's take a walk. Let's do some exploring. And it was kind of this December and it started to snow. We got lost. But thanks to the snow, we could find our footsteps and we realized we're just going in a circle. We're going in a circle. It is so easy to lose our way. To lose our way. Eight weeks ago, we began to unpack busyness, the busyness of our lives. And we asked which set of words best described our lives. You remember them? Peace, joy, balance, health, satisfaction, or stressed, exhausted, overwhelmed, crazy busy. Have you ever wondered if the pace of your life today is sustainable? Have you ever 
ferreted it out, stopped and just reflected and said, if we keep doing life, if I keep doing life this pace, what are the implications for my relationships with God, with family, if we're married, with our spouse, with our kids, at work, financially? God invited Adam and Eve to walk with him, to do life with him. And in the very beginning, it was all good until they took a shortcut, thought they knew a better path, had a better way, and told God to bug off. And everything changed. Their relationships with God, each other, their work, finding rest, peace, the soul satisfaction that they had with God, their joy, it all changed. And the Bible story reminds us that we are where we are today because we lost our way and stopped walking with God. The one and only God who gives us life to the full. So the story says there came another man, but he wasn't just any man. He was the God man who came and took on flesh and walked on this earth, the one who could walk over the seas and walk through doors and transport himself from heaven's glory to earth, walk this earth. He didn't take a shortcut, though tempted he was. He always was in step with the Father, following the Spirit. He never lost his way. The pressures were great, tempted in every way such as we are but always in step with the Father. And he came to show us the way and to make a way, a relationship that we could walk. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. The psalmist says this, you make known to me the path of life, God. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This series has all been all about simplifying our lives, not by necessarily doing less, but by making sure we've got first things first. As we just sang here in this venue, that Jesus would be at the center of all that we are and have. He's the center of our affections. He is the center point of our joy. Our relationships, our friendship, our marriages, our families, our schedules, our finances, parenting, everything. In his book, Crazy Busy, Kevin DeYoung says this. It's not wrong to be tired. It's not wrong to feel overwhelmed. It's not wrong to go through seasons of complete chaos what is wrong and heartbreakingly foolish and wonderfully avoidable is to live a life with more craziness than we want because we have less Jesus than we need. And so this God who created us for a relationship and who walked in the garden sent his son so that we could walk again with our God. And if you think about it, when Jesus shows up on the scene, what is his thing that he keeps saying? Follow me. 
follow me. And he's saying it to fishermen. He's saying it to tax collectors. He's saying it to the zealots, the patriots. He's saying it to his would-be betrayer, Judas, to young, to old, to women, to men, to the religious and the not-so-religious. Follow me, follow me. To Peter, James, and John, fishermen, says, I'll make you fishers of something far greater than fish. I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew records these words in 1624. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And that's how we simplify our lives. We want to simplify our lives. We want more joy. We want more peace. We want more balance. We want more fullness. We got to follow him. We got to walk with him. We need to keep in step with him. Remember Jesus' invitation? Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Hear it again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I want to go back to that imagery. I want to go back to the invitation, because it's how we begin the journey. It's how we begin to walk with Jesus. He doesn't force it. He doesn't tackle us. He doesn't shackle us. He says, I'm inviting you to come. And I'm asking you to come under my leadership. I want you to come under this yoke of mine. What is this yoke? It's this piece of wood, right? That You see the picture here. It connects these animals that are pulling the cart or the wagon together. And, and he, what he's saying in this invitation is, you, you come into this relationship with me as you submit, as you get low, and you come under my yoke, my leadership. You bring your burdens, and you take on the burden of my leadership. But my leadership is easy, and it's light, because it's meant for your good. It's meant to bring you peace and joy even when the journey's steep and hard, even when there's a blind turn and we don't know what's ahead. Come unto me. I'm inviting you. We submit our lives to Christ. And so let me say it again. You longing for more peace? I am. I'm not talking about a peace that removes the... the, 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 the things that are bringing all the tension. I, I'm, Jesus is talking about a peace that is in the midst of the storm that brings a calm in the midst of it all. Are you longing for that? I, I'm longing for that. For joy that isn't tied into circumstances. For balance. For health. For satisfaction. It begins with a relationship with God through faith in his son and by his grace where we find ourselves walking with him. I miss these quotes. Let me go back to it. I love these quotes. Charles Dickens got it right when he said, 
Walk to be healthy, walk to be happy. Hippocrates, walking is man's best medicine. You and I know that there must be something more because we keep chasing things that we realize when we do that, they aren't of God and we aren't fully satisfied. It's not that they aren't satisfying, but it, it doesn't quench it. So we're looking for more. What we're looking for is Christ. What we're looking for is life in Christ, is forgiveness in Christ, the peace of Christ. We're looking for a relationship with God. So we have to walk with him to follow him. And how do we do that? Because when you think about it, if, if we could just rewind the tape, so to speak, and roll the camera of Peter, James, and John and the others that were following Jesus, he would be like, we get it. There's Jesus, and they're walking with him, and the dust is coming off their sandals, and maybe he's got a staff, they got their tunics on, and they're walking to a village, and they're alongside. We get it. He was with them, and they literally walked with Jesus. But like last we checked, Jesus isn't here anymore. He said he's coming back, but he isn't here anymore. So how do we walk with Jesus who isn't here anymore? That's the question. Well, it has everything to do with his spirit. One of the things Jesus said before he left is, it's, it's actually not good that I go, it's better that I go. Because when I go, I'm going to send the comfort. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, sometimes called the Advocate. I'm going to send my spirit. So here's how he talks about it to his disciples in John 16, verse 7 and verse 13. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. In Galatians 5, Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, that is of our sinful nature. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, they walked physically with Jesus. And then when Jesus left, they received the Spirit, and they kept following Jesus and following his mission and growing to be more like him as they kept in step with the Spirit. So let's talk about that. So what does that mean? Because the Spirit is the Spirit. We don't see spirits, but the Spirit of God is real. The third person of the Trinity. One God who exists in three persons, all fully God. But they have their different roles. 
Walking by the Spirit, by the way, is an optional for a Christ follower. It's commanded. When Paul said in Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit, he wasn't saying, if, if, you might want to just consider. No, it was a command. It was an imperative. It's not optional. And, and so we are keeping in step with this Spirit who is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit who led Christ, even to a hard place like the wilderness, even to the cross. But it's the same Spirit that was the power that raised Christ from the dead. That Spirit in us who's applied the work of Christ on the cross to our hearts. So the Bible says we were not just sinners. We were flatlined dead spiritually. And he revived our hearts by giving us a new heart, a heart that beats for God, a heart that was made to live with God. And this spirit is in us, in our hearts. He frees us from the old sinful patterns, gives us power, reminds us of the way to go. And so walking by the Spirit is actually keeping in step with Christ. But for a lot of us, we go, oh, what does that exactly mean? Walking, keeping in step with the Spirit. What do we know about the Spirit? The Spirit is a guide. The Spirit teaches us. The Spirit is always working with the Word of God. The Spirit is never going to contradict the Word of God. The Spirit is going to bring things to our minds. There might be things that I say today in this message that I haven't thought about all week. They're not here on this page, but that's what the Spirit does. You're having a conversation. You're, you're making a big decision, and the Spirit brings truth to your mind. This is what the Spirit does. He guides. He teaches us. He corrects us. One of the roles of the Spirit in the world is to convict the world that we've, we've taken a shortcut and we've broken off with God. We've lost our way. The Spirit does that. He teaches. He guides. He convicts. He empowers us. Using the Word. And sometimes... He just gives us a clear sense of what we're to do. And I don't have a way to express it. All I can say is, I don't think you should expect that when the Spirit leads in that kind of way to hear a voice. I don't think you should expect to see something in writing. But when Paul talks about keeping in step with the Spirit and the Spirit leading and guiding him, even as he's trying to tell others about Christ, you get this clear understanding that there's a sense he has and maybe more he doesn't tell us. So let me give you two examples. In Acts 20, verse 22, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what happened to me there, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. I don't know if I want that kind of work of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's saying, the Spirit's compelling me to go back to Jerusalem. By the way, he's a wanted man back there. All of his friends are saying, don't go back. Don't go back. The religious establishment with all their power, the very ones who just killed Jesus, they're going to take you down. And he says, it's the Spirit that's compelling. I have to go back there. And on my way back, the Spirit keeps telling me, preparing me, warning me, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. 
There's another situation. Acts chapter 16. One of his first journeys. Verse 7. When they came to the border of Mysia, this is Luke now describing what's going on. He's joined Paul on the journey. When they came... When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Did you see that? But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. If we're looking at the map, they were, they were there right on the edge of Mysia, and they were going to go up to the right, and they're going to go back into Asia Minor, and the Spirit, we don't know how he knows this, all we know is the Spirit prevented them from taking the right turn. So they passed by Mysia and they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia. This is all the way across the Aegean Sea over in Greece, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Remember a couple weeks back, I was telling you about that Wednesday night. I was coming home. It was a long day. I was like, you know, I was like halfway between three blocks from my house and three blocks from Central DuPage Hospital. And the Spirit prompted me, you, sh you should go visit. You should go visit this person from our church. I can't remember their name right now. And remember what I said? I, I, I said, well, Lord, I'm tired. I'll do it first thing in the morning. Remember what I said? That person died that night. And so that, that was the spirit. Some, sometimes you're in a conversation and, and the spirit is, is giving you a word to just encourage. It, it's, not, uh, it's not on the same level of this when this happens. You, you, you don't always know. I, I was listening to my friend Alan Kraft who was here for the Forest Lakes District and he, he was talking about this couple that he'd been, he'd been counseling in marriage counseling and he'd been praying for, for them. And while he was praying, that this is kind of image just popped in his mind of a bulldozer. He's going, this is, this is weird. When he said to his friend, he said, look, I was praying for you. He's talking to the husband. I was praying for you and your wife for your marriage. And I, I don't know if this means anything. I don't know if I had bad pizza last night. But I'm just going to tell you, I just had this impression and picture of a bulldozer. And this man said, you got to be kidding me. My wife and I just had a heated discussion today, this morning. And she was talking to me about our communication, and mine in particular. And she said to me, I always feel like you're a bulldozer. Well, do you, do you think God got that man's attention? Alan said, that marriage radically changed. That's, that's the work of the Spirit. Predominantly using the Word, but not exclusively. Never contradicting the Word. We keep in step with Christ as we keep in step with the Spirit. How do we know we're in step with the Spirit? Ah, Galatians 5 says, you'll see it. When the Spirit's at work in our life, there is a nine-fold fruit. There is nothing. I was walking around the market today. What a great thing we have here in Madtown, right? What a great market. But we know when you get apples, it comes from an apple tree, right? And peaches from it. But this is a different kind of tree. The tree that God is growing through His Spirit has nine fruit. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You'll know we're growing. We're growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit means, Jesus, you've got access to everything that I am and have. Everything. This is one of the things we want to keep saying. Jesus doesn't want us to switch religions. He's inviting us for a walk, for a relationship. This relationship walks into everything of our life. Jesus is in a category in my life. He is king over every category of my life. When we are in step with the Spirit, we are under the yoke. And we say, Lord, you have everything. You have my affections. You have my thoughts. You have my motivations. You have my dreams, my desires, my relationship, my schedule. You've got time. You've got my money, my resources. You've got my kids. You have it all. And the beautiful thing is, the simple thing is, Jesus just says, follow me. He doesn't say, Here's like 89 steps. Work on them. Memorize them. When you get them down and you get it right for like six weeks in a row, because you know that's what it takes to get a habit going, then come and talk to me and we'll see if we can work this thing out. He just says, follow me. Follow me. And so are we walking. For Lori and me, walking is always about talking. Are we walking? Is there anything to our prayer life beyond help me, help me, help me? I mean, it's just a weird thing to think about. If we had conversations with those closest to us here like we do with God in prayer, we'd probably go, what am I doing? What am I doing? I, I, I keep asking God for stuff. I don't, I don't do that with other people. Are we in prayer to this one who is a good shepherd? He's a good shepherd. He feeds us down to our souls. He satisfies, refreshes us, guides even through the dark valleys. He gives victory and healing and safe passage to the other side. And so what does it look like today, tomorrow, this week, this month as it comes to an end, starting June, going through July, Lord willing, the summer? What, is it, what does it look like to walk with him? I think maybe a good thing is just before we hit the floor, just, just remember that he prayed for us all through the night. He's given us a new day. And so we thank him, and we just say, God, I want to walk with you today. I want to walk with you today. I had a seminary prof. He's a great pastor down at Moody Church, and then he was up at Trinity where I was studying. Dr. Warren Wearsby, and he said every morning before his feet hit the floor, he would just go through Romans 12, 1 and 2, in view of God's mercies. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, right, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, you know, the problem with the living sacrifice is they can crawl off the altar. But you got all, everything. And he said, when, when I would say that, I would just tell God, Lord, you've got my eyes. I'm giving you my eyes today. So that everything I look at, I want to honor you. 
my words, everything I say, I want to honor you. My thoughts, my ears, my hands, my feet. I don't want to be conformed to the patterns of this world. I want to be renewed. I want to prove that your will is perfect and good as I, as I pursue it with your strength. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this, and I want to just encourage us to read it together. Romans 12, 1 and 2. All right, you ready, guys? So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. In your bulletin, I'd like you to pull out that piece of paper. And that piece of paper has a bunch of questions. That's for your groups this week. Maybe for the two of you as a couple, or your roommates, or for your family. But turn it over. And I want to ask you one simple question. And I want you to just listen for God and see what he says. Is Christ at the center of your life? Have you come under Christ's leadership, under his yoke? Is there anything? What is off-center? And what is the next right thing God wants you to do? We don't usually do this, but we're just going to do this. I'm just going to take, we're just saying, Lord, what's, what's, what's out of balance? What's off-center? What is it? What, what's one thing, one word? Let me pray for you. I'm just going to pray silently as you just listen to God, okay? Maybe you've got clarity on that word. Maybe you don't. That's all right. It's always a good thing to just be still and to listen. If you got the word, here's what I'd like you to do. Just scotch tape it on your mirror right over your sink. So the first thing, you just, it's just right in front of you. You say, God, help me. I'm giving you that. Help me know what that looks like to have that centered on you. I got a 
email from a friend. I'd heard the story. My friend Virginia, back in Wheaton, who, um, who died one day at the dinner table. And uh, she writes an email, so obviously there's more to the story. So I want to read some excerpts from it. This is Virginia Hughes. I once read about a lady Lazarus, not pleased to be beckoned back from the death, a gifted word wizard with mental burdens and debilitating depression. She finally did herself in, overcome with sadness. She left behind a poem that provokes its readers like Sylvia Plath, I now am a lady Lazarus. Unlike Sylvia, I didn't have a death wish and still do not. Death wasn't on my mind the day I passed. I left quickly, sitting quietly at dinner. Here one moment and gone the next on October 25th, 2015. The immediacy of passing so quickly without a moment of pain or goodbye wave is not an event one expects. Providentially, the paramedics arrived immediately and restarted my heart. Learning about it later, the panic in the voices and the eyes around the hospital bed didn't alarm me. Paramedics, nurses, and cardiologists kept recounting how I had died. I lost count of how many times I was told of my own death. It was a big deal to them, and I had missed the whole thing. My husband thought I had really gone. And what if it happened again with no warning? Worried family members drove across a few states to see everyone was wary except me. I alone found news of my dying oddly comforting because it didn't hurt at all. Maybe it was a shock, a built-in grace. Maybe it was grace, a built-in shock. I felt fine immediately. I was awake and what was all the fuss? When my heart stopped, I didn't go anywhere. What a dummy. No bright lights or angel greetings. Should I be worried? Nah. I was a little disappointed, actually. No drama to report on my end. I didn't even walk into the wood between the worlds, as C.S. Lewis talks about. They restarted me like a machine. I'd been revived, reset, button pushed. Now there's a battery implanted near my heart to give it a shock if it stops again. I'm a question needing an electrical answer. Test after test after test. A mystery to an electrophysiologist who knows everything about the heart except why mine stopped beating. I only know how ordinary I am and further humbled to be alive. Obviously, my work here isn't complete. In a blink, I could have passed into eternal work and worship. Having resumed an earthly routine, Awareness is keen that the best life for a believer is what we've always been taught. Follow Jesus. His life is our prayer. He will carry us through anything, including the disruption of dying for a few minutes during dinner. You want to simplify your life? I can give you no better advice then follow the one who went all the way to the cross for you. Follow the one who says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. You know, you can fake walking with Jesus. 
Judas did it for three and a half years. And when Jesus met him that night, he called him friend. You've been faking it? Actually, he knows that. And he still wants you. Are you kidding? Maybe like Peter, you go, man, I really failed this week. Maybe you go, I, I have failed so many times, I'm just a flunk out, drop out. And Jesus says, come unto me. I went all the way to the cross for you. I'm never going to stop pursuing you. Come to me and find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Father God, that you would create us finite, weak, fickle, and want to walk with us knowing full well before it ever started that we would choose the shortcut, that we'd tell you to get, get lost. And we've lost our way, and out of your grace, you found us in Christ. You're finding us today. Someone listening, maybe overseas today, hearing this. You are a good, good father. And we have lost our way, and we've complicated our lives with these shortcuts in looking for all the things to satisfy and bring what only your son can. And so we would pray, Lord Jesus, help us again to stay in step with you. Holy Spirit, be strong in us. Fill us every day with your word and with your truth. And give us ears to hear you say, this is the way. Walk in it. Until you come or call us home. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.